Hello everybody, Adam Parks here with another episode of Receivables Roundtable. Today I am here with my longtime friend, Randy Slavin with Slavin & Associates up in Cincinnati. How are you doing today, Randy? I'm doing very well, thanks. The Bengals are, are winning again this year. Uh, they're not having the Super Bowl, you know, whatever that's called, the, the downward trend after Super Bowl. So we're excited. I'm excited. It's good to be here. Thanks, Adam. Absolutely. Uh, I know most of our audience probably already recognizes you. You're a frequenter at the NCBA and the RMAI conferences, and I know that you've spoken at a lot of conferences in the past. But for anybody who might not be familiar with you, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got to the seat that you're in today? Sure. You know, it's funny. We probably have to go back to law school to answer that question. That's okay. I had two... My the only two courses I really enjoyed were debtor creditor law and real estate transactions. And I knew coming out that I wanted to do one or the other. And it was 1983. We were in the middle of a recession. There was a tiny law firm that was doing debtor creditor law that hired me. I stayed with them for 25 years or so, something like that. A long time grew, became a partner. And then, um, 2001, September 11th, 2001, really made me realize how short life is. Mm -hmm. And so I started, it took me a couple of years to get everything together to start the firm, but we started the firm in 2004 and um, never looked back. I'm really happy that we did what we did. Great people here. Well, that is a true statement. I've really enjoyed getting to know your team through the years and spending time with you and Brad and, and Jonathan at the various conferences. Yeah. Um, now, can you tell everybody a little bit about Slavin Associates and what you guys do there? Sure. So we're in three states. We're in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. They're all contiguous. So, you know, it's an easy drive to any of the courts. Now with COVID, you know, a lot of the judges are still doing hearings by Zoom or some other method. So that makes it even easier for us. Uh, four attorneys, we're four attorneys, we're about 28 staff or so, and we just represent creditors. So, um, you know, any type of uh, commercial litigation, consumer litigation, we do a little bit of landlord tenant work. Uh, we do a little bit of repossessions. We don't do foreclosure work. That's like about the only thing in our in our niche area that, that we don't get involved in. I think that's kind of a beast of its own. So we just chose to stay away from that. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's, that is a very unique situation, right? When we're dealing with foreclosures versus everything else, besides the differences in balance ranges, legislative issues, regulatory issues, and all of that. So we'll, we'll put that one to the side. We'll focus For on where sure. we know that you're spending most of your time, credit card, auto, FinTech, consumer loans. Um, and that landlord-tenant yeah. piece, I know, is something that's grown significantly through the years. Um, you know, as we, I know you guys have just gone through the process of moving offices. And one of the big things that I always like talking about is community involvement. And when you were telling me about the new office and the artwork and all the cool things that you guys are putting into place now that you've moved into the new facility, it was really interesting. Could you tell me a little bit about what have you guys done um, with this new facility to engage with that local community? Sure. So our leadership team um, basically agreed that we were going to support the emerging local artist community um, in this new office. So we weren't going to go to TJ Maxx and we weren't going to go to Marshall's or anything like that and buy 
stupid corporate art to put on the walls. We were going to spend a little bit more, not a lot more, spend a little bit more and work with emerging local artists and display their work. And I'd say we've acquired about a dozen pieces. I probably need uh, maybe 30 pieces or so to adequately fill up all the walls because we have tons of wall space here. We also have tons of windows, which is nice. Um, but, um, you know, it's a way to, it's a way to give back to the community. It's a way to support uh, starving artists as a way to support the arts community. Um, we've met tons of great artists that have lots of good ideas for our offices. A few pieces have been commissioned and, and some have been just things that I've seen in their, you know, in their studios and so forth. That's fantastic. I mean, being able to engage with that local community and support those local small businesses, right? These aren't large companies that are producing artwork in a factory. These are individual paintings being done, you know, in someone's private studio, which is a significant, uh, you know, lift in, in finding local businesses to support the community in those ways, I think is incredibly important, especially as debt collectors. We always get looked at in this negative light um, for whatever reason, media, et cetera, but to actually be able to engage right with those local communities really makes a difference. And, you know, I think for, for those of you that have watching, you've seen us put up on screen here, a few of the, uh, the paintings, or at least pictures of those paintings that Randy sent over. Um, just cause when I started, when we first had a conversation about this, I was like, wow, what a cool subject. Like we should talk about this on a round table. Um, and then he started showing me all the pictures of the artwork that was being acquired and, you know, there's just so many different things that you guys are doing there. Some of them are really kind of locally based, looking at these like kind of Cincinnati specific artwork mm -hmm. with that, you know, with your, your office being in Cincinnati. Um, but then just so many other kind of little bit more abstract and creative pieces as well. I, I love walking through an art gallery and it looks like you're building one right there in your office. That's what we're trying to do. And, and, you know, you talk about lawyers, collection lawyers, whatever we don't, you're right. We don't have the best reputation. And so we wanted to do whatever we could to give back to the community. There's a number of other organizations we also strongly support, but, but we felt, we felt pretty good about this one way that this could not only make it a better place to like live, you know, not live, but to work for our employees. Hopefully none of them are living here. I don't think any of them are living here. But, um, <laughs> you know, it does. It just brightens up the place. People talk about the art. Um, and um, some of it is greeted very enthusiastically. And some of it is like, hmm, I don't know if I like that. That's a little, you know, obscure for me. But um, in general, everybody has been really receptive to the idea. So I'm Isn't happy. that the beauty of art, though, right? The fact that you get to interpret it in your own way, you see something that makes you feel in a certain way, and not everybody necessarily comes out of that experience with the same um, thought process. Um, so for me, I, I, I like that, right? To me, a, a more interesting piece of artwork is when you're looking at it and being like, do I love this or do I hate it? I'm, I'm not sure um and honestly that's how most of the art in my home in my office is as well <laughs> yeah yeah we we should get together sometime and compare and look at each other's art collections and see but yeah well, anytime uh, you're down in florida we filled our local we filled our like our corporate office with artwork that we've a lot of photography that we've taken through the years so um like the best picture i ever took myself was of the taj mahal at sunrise in agra india 
um, but I t- actually took it with a cell phone, right? Like it was a, an oh, iPhone wow. picture. And I had wow. all this like fancy camera equipment with me, but that was the one picture, uh, you know, that really carried away. But then like it was, we're at executive summits and things like that. I'll fly a drone and take pictures of the, the property up in Maine or when we were down in Sedona and we went to the Grand Canyon and some of the pictures that I got there. I love taking pictures and participating in that kind of art piece, right? Like I do mm-hmm. a lot of creative work as it is. Uh, and so it's always been special for me. I like seeing that other people are doing it. I like your approach, right? Like, cause for me, it was about like sharing my own um, creativity with those that were in the office. And what you're doing is actually engaging with that local community, which brings me to kind of my next question. I know you, you'd kind of mentioned briefly that there's a lot of different charities that you and your team support um, there in Cincinnati, Ohio. What other kinds of things are you supporting? So there's um, an example um, uh, there's a company or there's a uh, nonprofit called New Life Furniture Bank. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they go out and help people that were formerly unhoused who now have an apartment or a house, but they mm-hmm. can't afford the furniture. They can't afford beds. They can't afford nightstands, couches, all that stuff. And um, for our fi- we're now 18 years in, in business. And for our 15th anniversary, um, we support them every year, but our 15th was kind of fun. We did uh, a program called Beds for Sleepyheads, and it was for this New Life Furniture Bank. And um, we bought a number of beds, uh, nightstands, and lamps for children who, you know, again, they had the bedroom. They finally moved into the apartment or the house, but they just, the family could not afford the furniture that went with it. So it's a great org- organization. What an important uh, and vulnerable time for somebody in their lives and what a great way to support the local community because you finally make that step into having, you know, appropriate housing and then for it to be empty is, you know, is not only, uh, uh, you know, physically like where there are things, but also mentally like that, that whole um, idea of one of ownership and of pride. But like when you're walking around this empty place, it must have a, a much different feeling than once you've got beds and nightstands and especially if you're talking you know homes with children it's true no it's true yeah that's uh that's a big important uh you know it's and it's something that people don't really think about you know they they think about oh i'll I'll donate to helping someone find housing or whatever but once they find housing i mean that's not the end of it so Mm -hmm. you know we're, we're able to complete it with that um another organization that we're pretty strongly behind, um, and some, some people might think it's unusual, but um, there's a group that's associated with Cincinnati Children's Hospital, which is one of the top children's hospitals in the country, usually in the, rated in the top three or four, and they have an organization called Living With Change, and it's, it's all um, about helping kids who are going through some type of gender uh, transformation. And frankly, I and, and, and many others here at the firm think that that group of uh, people are probably some of the most um, at-risk mm-hmm. individuals in our society, you know? And so um, I don't want to get on a soapbox about that today. That's not what this is about. But we, we do support that organization. They do amazing work through Children's Hospital with, you know, education doctors, psychiatrists, um, um, 
you know, helping the kids adjust at school. So they, they, it's a good organization. We'll leave it at that. Well, and look, I think it's I think it's important and powerful that we be supporting the local communities. I mean, any marginalized section of our communities or of our society that you know need help, there's always people like yourself that are looking to find new and better ways to improve the lives of those around them. And I think that's important. And I think that that message often gets lost when we talk about debt collectors and debt collection and collection attorneys and debt buyers, right? And that whole world. And I think too often. Uh, almost every organization that I know in the space or that I spend any time with in the space has these projects and these organizations that they're passionate about. I mean, hundreds of people came out to support Naked Warrior Project when I was serving on their board of directors mm -hmm. to assist with raising money for the veterans um, you know, that came from either the intelligence community, the contractors, the Navy SEALs, whether we were helping them find jobs or helping them start their businesses upon re-entering kind of civilian life, um, everybody really kind of jumps into it. And I think it's often a storyline that's lost because even as debt collectors, one, people don't want to draw attention to themselves. And two, they also don't want, they're not boastful people, right? Like you're not doing those things to talk about them. And I had to convince you to come on and talk to me about the community involvement, things that you're doing, because that's not something that you run around going, look at me. Um, right. And I think it's, I think it's important that the industry start and continue to talk about those things that we're doing in the local community, the jobs that we're providing, the engagement that we have in the communities and all of the different programs and toy drives. And I mean, all the things that are happening this time of year, even that we start seeing across the community. And I think it's important and I want to encourage all of us across the receivables management industry to continue to talk about those things and to talk about those things in a public way. Because when you talk about this industry, it's unfair just to talk about a handful of accounts that had problems when there's so many great things that are happening from our industry, engaging in our community and those things that we do as an industry to support a credit-based economy. And I won't stand on my soapbox with that today. Um, but it also brings me to kind of one final question I have for you. Um, when we were planning for this, you had kind of told me a story about your father and the business that he was in and how it was different, yet kind of similar to what we do in the collection space. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that story? Sure. I mean, it, it really is different. Um, Dad was uh, started out well, after he was done working for my grandfather, which was just fish and poultry, mm -hmm. um, he somehow got involved in the scrap metal business. And mm -hmm. he and a partner, actually uh, the best man at his wedding, um, started a scrap metal business. And they would go into different buildings and, um, you know, uh, companies would say, you know, take out all this aluminum or all this copper or whatever, and they would resell it. And it, it's very similar. So it was scrap metal and we're dealing, you and I are dealing with scrap paper basically is the way I look at it. You know, it's, it's, it, it's something. A byproduct that, of another business. It's a byproduct of another business that nobody, people might not value that much. It has some value, but we're trying to turn it around and give it more value. And that's what, dad used to do with the scrap metal industry. And that's what I think you and I and everybody else who's, who's in this industry are trying to do the same thing is, um, you know, return some money to the economy, return some money to the creditors who lent money, but also obviously treat, you know, the consumers, the businesses and so forth fairly. Um, 
And I think that it's really an opportunity for us to accomplish both of those goals because, because of sometimes because of the prices that clients pay for that or whatever, but we're able to make a match between, you know, the person who owes the money and the, and the client who's trying to collect the money. So. I agree. I think we're taking the byproduct of the lending industry and injecting value into it just the same way that if you talk about the scrap metal side of the world, I mean, one, there's an expense to removing those items from those buildings, right? And then the process of recycling them or reusing them and knowing the right people and being able to manage that physical inventory and all of those things. I mean, being able to create value out of something that others don't see value in, I think is exactly what we do as an industry in the collection space. And, and the funny thing is like, I mean, my dad passed away about a dozen years ago, but he was so interested in what we did and how we did it and how he could help us grow mm -hmm. through how he grew his firm. So he would, he saw the connection and he would work with me on ideas for, uh, you know, expanding the business and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, definitely a role model and also in an industry that I think you wouldn't associate with us, but it, it really has a lot of sort of correlation. Absolutely. I think it falls directly into the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Creating value from a byproduct is what we do. Yeah. Quite proud of it because I, I understand the value that the debt collection and receivables management and recovery processes add to the overall credit-based economy. But that's a different story for a different day. Right. Uh, Randy, I really thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me today. I always enjoy the opportunity to hang out with you and your team at the various conferences and looking forward to seeing you in Las Vegas in February at the RMAI annual conference. We will be there at least three of us strong, if not more. Awesome. Wow. Love hearing that. I think attendance is going to be through the roof this year. For those of you that are watching, if you have any additional questions that you'd like to ask Randy or I or additional topics you'd like to see us discuss in the future, you can leave those in the comments below. We'll be responding to comments both on LinkedIn and YouTube. Um, and thank you, everybody, so much for coming out today. We appreciate you watching. And Randy, I'll see you again soon. Thanks, Adam. Look forward to seeing you in February. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye.